and welcome to Detention, where it's the fourth time is the charm. Getting into that a little bit later, but first off here, Cody, I got my dad joke. I'm excited. I cannot take credit for this one. I can't take credit for any of the ones I've had. I'm saying as if like someone told me that I needed oh, to say this one. Okay. Not that I found it, but someone told me that I needed to use this. Okay. So um, shout out to my girlfriend's sister who told me that I needed to use it. Okay. Um, what sound does a cow make when it runs out of milk? I do not know. Uh, none. There is utter silence. <laughs> Pretty good, isn't it? Before you said the utter silence part, you said uh, none. And I'm like, what does a none have to do with this? Oh, yo, no, 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 none. That's why I looked so puzzled. I'm like, what? And then you finished it, and then it made me happy. Yes. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? So, shout out. I told her that I would use it, and I was told by my girlfriend that I needed to credit her with it. So, okay. I did. Okay, so starting off going into uh, our sports topics, um, starting with the NFL and football. Shocker, shocker, Trey Lance is injured. I mean, he got injured last year, but it wasn't as severe as this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't actually know what it was. I just know that he... I mean, you'll get into it, but I know the severity. I just don't know what the actual injury was yeah so he has an actual broken ankle season ending um injury where he'll have to have surgery on it Uh, he was going for a particular rush i think it was a designed rush play and got tackled by a linebacker from seattle and fell on it very awkwardly and snapped his ankle Um, So just after starting five quarters for the San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lance has now had his season-ending injury, uh, broke his right ankle with 2.20 left to go in the first quarter of Saturday's 27-7 win against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, He was 2 of 3 for passing for 30 yards and had managed to carry the ball three times for 13 yards before the injury. So I know during the press conference, Shanahan was asked, um, you know, if you keep having quarterbacks with your design run plays, are you going to continue to have injuries at quarterback position? And he's like, well, that's kind of the risk of the plays. So who knows? Um, let's see. So that means Jimmy Garoppolo, the backup is now in to replace Trey Lance. He came in and finished the game for him. Um, luckily just in time for after signing his backup quarterback deal just a few weeks ago. Isn't it funny how things just work out? I guess it's almost making me think just stay with him anyway. Right. I mean, not to say that you could predict that Trey Lance was going to get injured, but to the fact of like, he is new and you do use him to run a lot more. Um, maybe you should have Garoppolo out of the program in the system before you even start trying to use him as much. I don't know. Like we said, he is the highest paid backup quarterback in the league right now. And rightfully so he has the experience for it, but it's just kind of strange how you not strange. It's unfortunate that the starter got injured, but it's also kind of like, well, he he didn't have to be if you just started Garoppolo and then kept Trey Lance for a, a backup to learn and get better over time. Instead of rushing him into it, I feel like. I don't know. It's only his second year, but. The fact that they still kept Jimmy G and this happened, it's like, this is literally the best case scenario for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's getting paid not quite starter money as much, but. Right. You you lower his contract because he's now a backup, but now he's a starter with starter experience, a lot of it, and he's paying being paid less money to be a starter. Hell, yeah. I saw something that he's going to get paid $250,000 per game and then $300,000 per game if they win. So it's pretty fun good. Yeah. So as, as unfortunate it is for Trey Lance, and I hope he gets better and I hope he comes back 100% healthy, as the 49ers, you're not in a bad spot. No, you're really not. For a starting quarterback to have a season-ending injury, you are not in a bad spot. Not at all. 
also in football news, Mike Evans is suspended uh, for only one game after getting in a fight with, I guess, mainly Marshawn Lattimore from the Saints, but also kind of a few other people as well yeah. from the video that I saw. Um, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver, um, Alfred just one game without pay, um, after Sunday's altercation with the new, new Orleans Saints cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, um, the NFL reviewed all players involved, including Lattimore and believed that the fight would not have escalated if not for Evans involvement. Um, he was suspended for violating unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike conduct rules and will be eligible to return or will not be able to return until after Sunday's home opener against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Evans has said that he plans on appealing the suspension. He won't win, but... No. I mean, watching the video, right, I was highly entertained because I, li- I like big hits, and for sure it was unnecessary. Um because for those who haven't watched it, virtually what happened is Lattimore said something to Brady. Brady took exceptions to it and started chirping at him. Then Leonard Fournette, their running back, came in and pushed Lattimore. And while all this was happening, Mike Evans was walking off the field, turned around and saw it, and just came running and then just leveled Lattimore just straight up pushed him straight to the ground as hard as he could, which then caused this big, not so much a fight, but scuffle to ensue. There yeah. wasn't really any punches thrown that I saw. Um, Evan says that he claims Lattimore punched Leonard Fournette. I didn't see that from the video. I saw like a push back, but I didn't see a punch thrown. So for me, like I'm not a huge, I, I don't believe violence is the answer. And I get, with sports endorphins and just testosterone is running. So shit happens. I get that. It was still pretty entertaining for me to see, but it was definitely unnecessary. Oh yeah. It had Evans. I, I, you know, I applaud him for wanting to defend his teammates, but did not need to go there. And it doesn't help uh, with the optics that him and Lattimore over the last several years have had issues with each other. Yeah. So it was like, this goes back five years. Yeah, of so them, this is like, definitely cheap shot waiting of them to happen. Beefing. Yeah. Um, Evans did say in a statement that he punched, this is his quote. He punched my teammate in the face. I just punched him into the ground. Uh, I was just trying to have my teammates back. All I seen was him, uh, was he punched somebody in the face. I was like, I ain't going to let that happen. So. And again, you know, have your teammates back. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, maybe not to that extent. Yeah, maybe not. But still, I, I got the notification. I saw the video. I was like, oh, shit. I thought it was funny that Brady was also chirping back. I mean, he's... Brady's Brady. He'll chirp back. He'll, he's done that. Yeah. The thing is, is that I don't know... Not many people, I guess, have ever thought about like, you know what? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you. He, for whatever reason, the videos I've seen of him chirping other players... It never seems to be. Maybe that was because of the AFC. I don't know. But rarely did I ever see players like come back at him for anything. Yeah. So it's so strange. And then obviously now with this, it's like, okay, yeah. I, some people are probably going to come back at you now. Right. I don't know. Shit talking happens in the NFL. It just does. Every play, all the time. You just can't let it get to that point. But yeah, it did. And he's paying for it. Yeah. All right. Um, basketball news. Yes. So not NBA related, but the WNBA finals have concluded and the Las Vegas aces win the 2022 WNBA championship in four games against the Connecticut sun, marking the franchise's first title. So congratulations to the aces. I don't know if I know of any players on either team, to be honest. Uh, the Connecticut sun actually have a former Iowa player. And I cannot remember her name right now. It was one of the bigger ones recently. Bigger ones recently? Yeah, one of the bigger graduates recently. The lady that was initially drafted by the Indiana team? Maybe. I can't remember her name. Kate. Caitlin Doyle? No. No. She was a center. Oh. Megan Gustafson. Megan Gustafson? Yeah, she's the third string... uh, Oh, no, she was on the... She was on a different team this yeah, year. Yeah, she was. I'm sorry. Yeah. She's on the Phoenix team. Yeah. You're I thought there was a... Phoenix and Sun and putting them together. Right, but there's a Iowa player on the Sun. But regardless, yes. first ever 
uh, franchise championship for the... How long has the Aces been a team in Las Vegas, you know? Um, I'm pretty sure it's been about a decade. I, okay. I'm not 100% sure. But considering the fact that most WNBA championships are won by like one of three teams, it's pretty good. I was going to say the this team is now one of the teams that I had known of to win it. Mm-hmm. It's usually Sue Bird's team, whichever one she's on. Storm. Which, Storm, but she's retiring. Yep. Um... The Minneapolis team. The Lynx. Lynx. And, yeah. I Los can't. Angeles Sparks were pretty good for a while, but yeah. it's been mainly those three. So, mm-hmm. And then Chicago Sky have been making a run the past few years with Candace Parker. But, yeah, Las Vegas is first one. They had the league's MVP this year. So, yeah, I mean, I watched them play a couple of games, and they looked really good. So congratulations to them. All right. Moving into other sports news before we get into Iowa stuff here. Uh, Roger Federer is retiring. After 24 years of playing in the majors and having over 1,500 matches in tennis, um, the tennis great cites that his difficulty completing, uh, competing due to a series of injuries and surgeries over the last three years uh, was the main reason for why he wanted to retire. Um, he is 41 years old after all, so that's a long time, um, and has won 20 major tournaments. Um, he was the first player to ever win 20 tournaments, only being surpassed by longtime rivals Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, something like that. Um, he has 103 titles overall and his second all-time in open era, only behind uh, Jimmy Connors. He has won a gold medal for Switzerland in doubles alongside Stan Vawarkin, um, coming up short in the hometown favorite to Andy Murray in the 2012 Olympics, um, and has also a record 237 consecutive weeks spent at number one. So... Yeah, pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, His retirement comes just weeks after Serena Williams has also announced that she has also stepped away from the game. Um, So losing two of the greatest tennis players ever in just a couple of weeks. Granted, they're both in their 40s and they both deserve to retire. But I thought that was pretty incredible. I mean, the weeks at number one, 237 consecutive weeks. That's at least four years. Yeah, I don't know the math off the top of my head, and maybe I can get my calculator up to do this. Uh, 52. 52. There's 52 weeks in a year. Okay, you're right, not 50. That's what I said, about four. Yeah, about four, you're right. Yep, four and a half years at number one. It's redonkulous. That's really redonkulous. Uh, finishing up sports with some Iowa sports stuff. Cody and I did go to the Iowa Nevada game. I remember this one. Yeah, I'm hoping you remember this one. Um, it's one to not forget. I will say that. I guess the one that you chose to remember is the one that you probably should remember out of the ones that we've gone to so far. Yeah. Um, it was a game that was delayed three times due to lightning in the area. So that's why the four times is a charm because on the fourth try, they finally got it uh, finished up and they didn't get done with the game until 1:40 AM the next day. Uh, I saw a funny thing that I think I retweeted on our Twitter page of the only time Spencer Peters will see uh, game time on Sunday <laughs> <laughs> was finishing the Iowa Nevada game at one o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Yeah. I'll let you hit most of these points because I didn't have any notes because I know you did your due diligence, and so I will speak on whatever part you have. I'll start with defense and special teams again. As we should. Just because those are obviously the standouts. So the defense shut out Nevada and held them to zero points and only 151 uh, combined yards. Um, Terry Roberts and Cooper DeGene were huge defensive standouts for this game, I feel like. Uh, DeGene had an interception, almost had two others that each of those other two could have been pick sixes um, had he actually held on to the ball. Uh, Roberts had a pick six called back due to a penalty, um, but he did show great athleticism running it back to get that called back pick six, so I thought that was at least pretty noteworthy. Um, The defensive line also did a great job uh, against Nevada's quarterback and making him feel uncomfortable in the pocket, which I thought was great. Um, Special teams, Torrey Taylor, again, 
did outstanding job, punted seven times for a total of 327 yards, which is almost a uh, 47-yard average, uh, with four of those punts being downed inside the 20, one of them being downed at the 2 because Terry Roberts ran down on special teams and caught it at the 2. Uh, Drew Stevens, the extra point and field goal kicker, was 100% on the day. Um, I know I was a little bit worried in previous games watching him kick that his range isn't the best, um, but he was 100% field goals, 2 for 2, and then 3 for 3 on extra points. Now for offense, some news that we weren't really aware of until like very shortly before the game. I shouldn't say very shortly, earlier in the day because it was a late-night game. But... um, both Keegan Johnson and Nico Reganey and Brody Brett uh, were back at wide receiver for this game. And the crazy thing is I only got the notification for Nico. So I remember telling you, hey, Nico's going to start. And you're like, yeah, I saw that. But then we watched the game. Right. And I saw number six. I'm like, wait, Keegan Johnson's out there? And I was like, yeah, he just caught a pass. Yeah. Um, so and I don't know if that was what the difference maker was, but Brian Ferens looked like he wanted to take bigger shots downfield, having those wide receivers in. He did. And then at one of the times they came back from the lightning delays, Reganey, uh got a huge reception. I don't know if you saw that. I saw the, I saw that he did. I just didn't see it. Yeah. So Peters threw it, and honestly, it was a horrible ball placement. It was basically picked off. And then as they were both coming to the ground, uh, Reganey had pulled it away from him, and he came with the ball for like a, I think, 30 or 40-some yard reception that they didn't score on. They got a field goal out of it, but I thought that was uh, tremendous. Reganey did lead the team with 56 receiving yards. Uh, Freshman running back Caleb Johnson had a fantastic day. He looked good. He did look good. He looked shifty, and someone... He didn't... He wasn't afraid to bowl people over, too, and he had a smaller frame. Someone, I think, I don't know if it was Scott Dockerman or if it was uh, someone else on Twitter compared how he was running on Saturday um, to, like, Makai Sargent. Yeah. Uh, run Ran hard, but then took the hits and adjusted his body accordingly to stay on his feet. Uh, he had seven carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns as a freshman. So I think, I would hope that he gets a little bit more playing time. Well, um, I doubt it because do you know why... Uh, LaShawn. He was not there. His father had passed away. Yeah. So he was at a funeral. So he was not able to participate. Um, Petrus did seem to move better in the pocket and at times did make better decisions on his feet um, back there. He did run away from some pass rushes uh, and extended plays with his feet. He even ran for a few first downs doing that. Um, however, he did get sacked enough that he had negative rushing yards. <laughs> So that sucks. I will say, as much as I have been a huge critic of Spencer Petras, I I've said it multiple times. Him and I are probably really good friends. You know, he's probably a really wonderful guy, and I've always critiqued his quarterback play, never the person. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. I want him to do very well, not just because of you know selfish reasons of wanting to win the games, but like I love Iowa players doing well. I want him to be able to continue on to the next league and make something of himself. That just probably won't happen. But I will say, he looked a lot better this Saturday, at least from the plays that I saw before we had left, is that he was making the right throws. He was making them in good spots. Were they perfect? No. But they were the right placements most of the time. Even and I mentioned this to you, even one of the plays where Keegan Johnson had to like dive down and behind him to catch the ball. When you looked at where the defense was on the field and where that play was going to be made, that was the correct throw. It was to throw it low and behind him. So he was still the only person to be able to get it. Yeah. So when you look at things, things objectively, he did make a lot of right placements. There were some that were still overthrown. There were still some that were behind him, but all in all, he looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket. The offensive line gave him a lot more time. They finally were able to mesh well to not only give him time, but give time for and time and good holes for running backs. Mm-hmm. It was all around a lot better of an offensive performance. 
Uh, Peters was 14 for 26 with 175 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he probably could have had uh, more completions, and some of it is actually kind of on the wide receivers. There were, oh, for sure. There were a few, like um, Brody Brett was in the going to a kind of a corner route in the end zone, and if he just had adjusted his body a little bit more to the ball yep. to where Peters threw it, that would have been a touchdown. Yeah. It's and then some other ones where it's like, yeah, yeah, it was a tad bit off, but man, if that receiver had just adjusted a slight bit, he would have had a better chance of catching it. Well, and we've seen a couple of times that it'll hit him in the hands and it drops. And I and I know that some are hard to catch because of body placement or whatever, but mm-hmm. rule number one as a receiver, every receiver knows this. I played receiver, so I can kind of talk to it, not at this level by any means. But rule number one, if it hits you in your hands, you catch the ball. If it hits you, you that is all on you at that point because you it got to the point where you can catch it. Now you have to. Yeah. The caveat that we do have to Petrus that we were seeing is that during their halftime warmups coming out before the second half started, uh, Cody and I did notice that Petrus and Padilla were warming up right next to each other, which they do usually. We were just actually paying attention to it. They're on our side of the field closer to us. Um, we noticed that when Peters threw the ball to his receiver, his planting foot um, seemed to be more on his toes. It was always on his tippy toe. And it was throwing his aim off, and the ball was either high, where the receiver had to kind of catch it in front of his face mask, or low and had to catch it more towards his waistline. Or even, like, above his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, In comparison, Padilla being right off the side of him throwing, we noticed that he had a much more solid planting foot, and was hitting his man on the numbers every time. Yeah, I after we paid attention, like because we were looking at the footwork first, and then you had mentioned the numbers. And after we had watched that, I think it was about four or five. It throws was another in a four, row. My, four or five more throws, and we were watching, and it, it was literally every other. Peters went, and then Padilla went, and every time Peters went, we we're like, "Oh, that's high. Oh, that's low." And then when Padilla went, we we're like, "Numbers, right on the numbers, numbers, numbers." So, and it was only a fifteen-yard throw. Yeah. So it's not like it's in their standing still, obviously. So it's not like it's a horrible pass. It's routine. It's something that you should be able to make automatically, like Padilla. And for whatever reason, Petrus's is still either just a little high or a little low. Yeah. So still, still a had long a, way to go, but yes. he looked better. And he so looked, I'm hoping it continues. He looked a lot better. Hopefully it continues this week going to Rutgers. It's another night game. So I'll be watching that. Oh, I will be. As much as I can. Can't stop me. All right, moving into news and politics. Uh, what do you have here starting off? Yeah, we only have one political thing today that I found interesting. If And again, we, we say this every week. If you guys want us to talk about something, throw it our way. Uh, but this is the only thing that I found that I really wanted to touch on right now. Uh, Liz Cheney is working real hard to prevent former President Donald Trump from rigging an election. Or just really anybody from rigging an election. Oh. Rightfully so. So Cheney, uh, with the help of Democrat Zoe Lefgren, announced a series of reforms to the Electoral Count Act that would make it clear to Congress or make it clear that Congress could not overturn an election result. As part of some of the proposed changes, uh, Cheney and Lofgren suggested updating the Electoral Count Act of 1887 on the basis of four fundamental principles. The first change will be altering the act to make it clear that a vice president has no authority or discretion to reject official state electoral slates or delay the count as part of their ceremonial role as presiding officer of the Senate. They also proposed narrowing the grounds in which members of Congress can object to electoral slates. Grounds which would be accepted include constitutional requirements for candidate and electoral eligibility, as well as 12th Amendment's, quote, explicit requirements for electoral balloting. Once the objections have been filed, one-third of both chambers would have to approve it for it to be entertained, and then the majority vote needed for it to be sustained. Okay. Another proposal that was that was presidential candidates should be able to sue if any electoral official refused to transmit lawful election results to Congress and to have it written in federal law that elections can't change after election has been t- has taken place. And they were quoted saying, 
Our proposal is intended to preserve the rule of law for all future presidential elections by ensuring that self-interested politicians cannot steal from the people they the guarantee that our government derives its power from the consent of the governed. Cheney, who has lost her GOP primary to a, the Trump-endorsed candidate Harriet Hagman in August, vowed following her defeat to continue in her attempts to prevent former president from being allowed to run for office again. So I think this one's a little interesting, mainly just because, it, and it's not because she's trying to block Trump, it's because she's doing what a politician should do, finding the loopholes in our system and finding what people are trying to say is a loophole when it's not and just solidifying it more, saying this isn't true. Because, I mean, Trump tried to say multiple times that, uh, Pence had the power to do this and that and the other when Pence even said, no, I don't. They're just enforcing that by adding another law saying, nope, this is true. It, it, to me, it's, it's good work on her part and maybe, yeah, sure. It's a little petty, but it's right. Like make yeah. sure that we're showing these people your, what you are voting on is happening. Yeah, I think, and obviously it's, I'm not going to say it's partisan in any way, but it could quickly become partisan where if in the future Trump is allowed to run again and either wins or claims that he has won and he has enough people in positions of power to then put him in as the president when maybe he wasn't actually elected. And that's the concern. If that is the now new precedent, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't think that future Democratic nominees would do the same, but you can always point the finger of like, well, it was done before. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do it? This as a way of preventing any of that from happening. So you're essentially preventing any type of new precedent that could totally damage our electoral system if it were to be unchecked. So I, I like the fact that she's doing right. this. You just look at the slippery slope of how things can play out, right? People ask questions all the time of like, how could a country be this corrupt? It starts by this. It yeah. starts by saying, well, I actually want it. Having enough people in your corner to say, yeah, it happened. We'll just overturn it. And then not only is it corrupt now, but that just keeps happening over and over again. Well, you guys you guys did vote this, but we don't care what you have to say. We're just going to put our people in power anyway. That is how corrupt governments and corrupt countries happen. This exact reason. So she is doing the due diligence to make sure that it doesn't happen. Because no matter how many times people believe that our system is perfect and that it's strong, it's not. It's fragile and it only exists because people are doing the right thing. And the minute people in power start being like, no, nah, I got the power. I'm going to make up my decision no matter what anyone says. That's what breaks this system. 100%. Uh, going into just more global news, uh, there has been, I, I shouldn't say really a hurricane, but I, from the news articles I've been seeing, it's been quoted as a hurricane, though it's a Category 1 storm, I think, officially. Uh, but Puerto Rico is currently experiencing a life-threatening and catastrophic flooding after Hurricane Fiona made landfall on the island this weekend as a Category 1 storm. Uh, it's a dangerous situation for territory that's still recovering from Hurricane Maria, which tore through the island uh, in 2017, so just five years ago. Um, no one on the island has had electricity since Sunday night. Uh, sustaining winds reaching 90 miles per hour have been reported. Uh, the storm has dumped more than two feet of rain in some regions, where swollen rivers have wiped out at least one bridge. One death has been reported so far, and emergency crews have reported rescuing roughly a 1,000 people. Uh, large portions of the island have been dry before the storm had hit, meaning these areas that are dry and barren don't have enough vegetation to absorb these large amounts of rain that are coming through, causing these mass floodings to occur. Um, since Hurricane Maria in 2017, the island has not been able to build up infrastructure, including its power grid system, 
Uh, power stations tend to be on the southern part of the island, while most residents' electricity is consumed in the northern part of the island, meaning that electrical lines have to travel several miles in order to reach population, or most of the population. So when this electrical grid system, which has not been the best anyway before Hurricane Maria, gets completely destroyed in that hurricane, and they haven't had the infrastructure to build it up and make it better, you're still stuck with a very fragile electrical system, and then a storm like this happens, and then all of it back to square one. So it sounds like the people of Puerto Rico are having, again, another horrific time, um, even though we, the United States, are technically in charge of their... Situation. And that's kind of where I was going with that too. Is I remember when Maria happened, and I mean, rightfully so, everyone was making this huge deal about it. Like, but some people were making the big deal of like, why are we sending money there? Because they're a fucking territory. Yeah. The, the people who live there are U.S. citizens. Yeah. They don't need a passport to come into the United States, right. and we don't need one to go there. Right. And so we need to help them because they are a part of us. Think of it as the British empire, right. Or the colonies is that they are a part of the British empire, Mm -hmm. Puerto Rico, Guam. Those are places that are a part of the U S territory. They are not States, but they are U S citizens living there. We have to help them. It's like when Houston got fucked up from the floods, Mm -hmm. FEMA went in, same shit needs to happen in Puerto Rico. It's not sending money to a foreign country. It is sending it to a U.S. territory that needs help. It would be this almost identical as if we're sending help to Hawaii. The only difference is Hawaii is a state and Puerto Rico is a territory. We still have to help those people because they are still U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. So whenever people are going to start talking about let's send money that way and I'm going to hear pushback from it, think about that is that if you did live there, it would be under the U.S. to help you out. And if they didn't, and you're a U.S. citizen, it's just, it's dumb, man. Like They do have, and this is the kind of even more fucked up part, is that they technically have, like, representation in our uh, federal government. However, they don't get to participate in any type of votes. Yep. So you have a guy that is elected from Puerto Rico, from their constituents, sent to Washington to hear out what other uh, representatives are going to be talking about, discussing, and voting on for laws that affect the continental United States, as well as Hawaii and Alaska. But they don't get to vote on it, and they don't really get to have any say in anything. Along with the other territories that we have, they have the same thing. But yeah, that's pretty messed up. That okay, we give we'll give you some benefits of being a U.S. territory, but the moment your island's fucked up by a natural disaster, uh, you're, you're your shit own. out of luck. Right? Yeah. Uh, speaking shit out of luck, oh. we might be shit out of luck. Go figure. Um, so Iowa Governor Kimmy Reynolds is among 22 governors who sent a letter to President Biden on Monday, last Monday, the 13th. Um, Expressing opposition to his student loan forgiveness plan. Um, Governor Reynolds said she supports making higher education more affordable for students, but not at the expense of taxpayers, saying he can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power, she said. Uh, That has to be an act of Congress, is what she's saying. Um, she also says at this time when inflation is sky high due to our unprecedented tax and spend agenda, your plan uh, will encourage more student borrowing, incentivize higher tuition rates and drive up inflation even further, negatively impacting every American. Even economists on your own party, uh, choose oppose your plan for raising, uh, demand and increasing inflation rather than addressing the high cost of tuition or higher education or working to lower interest rates for student loans. Your plan kicks the can down the road and makes today's problems worse for borrower or tomorrow's students. Uh, 
which some of that I can agree with. Right. Obviously, this does not affect the fact that tuition is outrageous for every university in the United States. Absolutely. Um, and that we should have lower interest rate for student loans just in general. Yes. So I agree with that. Yeah. However, you have to start somewhere. Yep. And this is federal student loans. So this is money that the government used to help pay for students to go to those colleges that he is just wiping out. Right. Act of Congress or not, I'm not sure on the legality of that. Obviously, him and his team have decided that it is legal for them to do. I'm just going to go with their judgment. But you have to start somewhere. And you can't just force all of these somewhat private institutions. I mean, they're public in the fact that they accept money from the federal government, but also in the fact that they can kind of change however they want to raise tuition, which they have over the last five decades. So... In my opinion, you have to start somewhere. Uh, This is at least a good start, and then you can tackle those bigger issues. How about you stay on board enough for those issues to then be addressed later on? I think the thing that pissed me off the most about the comments, because, again, I do agree with some of the things she says, but it's going to, I think she said incentivize, um, people to borrow more. Yeah, it's... Maybe I'm misunderstanding this quote, but to me that just means students are going to want to go to school. Like more more students are going to want to try to go to college. Why is that a bad thing? Also, maybe like again, maybe I'm misunderstanding that, but that's how I would read that. This forgiveness plan does not include anybody who starts enrolling after this past summer, right? So it's not incentivizing shit. It's just for everyone before who still had before July whatever date that he set, right. who have X amount of student loan debt that that can be forgiven. Anything after that, no, it does not count for you. Mm-hmm. So next year's senior or this year's seniors who are going to college next year, they're not going to get this benefit. Right. It's not incentivizing you to go to college. Yeah, it's just it's also stupid too because I get it's an ass load of money. In the grand scheme of things. But again, imagine how much more you and I and anyone else who has taken out loans and can now use that money, what they're going to spend it on to boost the economy. I understand this, the worry with inflation, but literally, if you and I can spend $20,000 or even $10,000 on stuff inside the economy... It's going to make the economy better, which does mean lower inflation. It's basic economics. Literally, it is the ground level of economics. And so, again, economics is way more deep than that, but that is literally the base of it. If you have more money to spend and you can spend it on other things, it makes money going through the economy easier and you can... It goes to so many different places. It's going to lower inflation because it's out there. Over time, yes. Which inflation is something that fluctuates anyway. Right. I More or less, I think the huge thing is like, uh, oh, right now you're going to be paying for this. Like you, the average American, paying their taxes, who's not going to college right now because you already are done with college and maybe have already paid off all of your tuition debt. It's going to affect you. So it's kind of like a fear-mongering mongering tactic. Oh, it's absolutely a fear-mongering okay, tactic. Okay, so it may be a little bit worse now, but again, in five years, is it going to be as bad? I would assume not. So um, she says that her and the governors are requesting President Biden immediately withdraw the plan, which I it will not happen. Yeah. So. Oh, well, Kimmy Reynolds just trying to continue to fuck Iowans, I guess. Yeah. I got a text from her uh, campaign team today. I don't know why. It was was a flyer for some event that's coming up, and I'm like, no. uh Uh-uh. Right. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, I got a text about some Republican stuff and helping them out. I'm like, I am literally a registered Democrat. Yeah. How did you get my number? Right. I don't know how they get mine. (laughs) I don't know why I'm on any list. I'm also a registered Democrat. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of... uh, political parties though this doesn't actually have to tie into anything we're about to talk about i just remembered it now i have talked multiple times about how i have republican friends we have talked to a couple of them and they are both willing to come onto the show and talk 
One of them we're going to bring in closer towards election night to get his perspective on... Midterm election stuff. Yes, yes. thank you. Yep. Uh, to get his perspective on issues, because you guys have heard our points on it, and so you constantly hear the same rhetoric, so why not bring somebody in just to get a little bit of a debate going? So he's willing to do that, so roughly mid-October, if I had to guess, we're going to bring him in, and so... Just kind of wanted you to prepare that. And a lesson, the echo chamber that we're probably providing for some people that listen. Right. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people who I show this to don't agree with me politically. So it'd be nice to hear someone who they agree with actually speaking. So I think it'll be fun. But I just wanted to prepare people for that. So we'll keep going back into local news. Sorry to take that away. Um, I wish I was this woman. I'm same. So <laughs> what Eric's talking about is there's this lady who lives in Davenport, Iowa. Her name is Mary Starks. She won $100,000 this month playing Hit It Big, which sounds great. I mean, just by itself, awesome. What is even better for her, though, is she won $100,000 in March of 2020 as well, just playing a different lottery game. This lady has won $200,000 in two years. She's had a great COVID. Yeah. And when she was asked what she was going to do with the money, she said she was going to pay off some debts and maybe open a business. Nice. Fucking crazy, dude. Isn't that kind of sad? Also, going back to the loan forgiveness of like, I win the lottery. I get to pay off my debts. Yeah. Right? Hmm. <laughs> um, this last story before we head into our surprise topics. Did you, again, I, I have not, this. Yeah. I was going to say, I, haven't, I have not read this. It's a short article um, it from... KWQC, I think it's the Davenport News. Mm -hmm. So I'll just read everything that I have because it's super short. So, (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't have laughed. Yeah, you shouldn't laugh at this. (laughs) (laughs) You'll understand why. A student was hit by a bus uh, earlier today. There's the punchline. At Bentendorf Middle School, police said the student had minor injuries and is attending classes. That's why I laughed because he didn't get hurt. Okay. Um, Bentendorf police responded to the Bentendorf Middle School around 7.30 a.m. today to a report of a student being hit by a bus. According to police, the student was riding their bike at the school and cut in front of the school bus, driving in the designated drop-off lane, so that's kind of on the kid. Police said the bus was able to stop but hit the student and the bike. The student was looked at by EMS at the school, and the parent was contacted. Police said the student had minor injuries. They were able to continue to go to school and attend classes. And according to police, no charges will be filed regarding the incident, which makes a lot of sense to me because the student was at fault. Yeah. Can you imagine just a conversation in the lunchroom? Oh, did you see Billy got hit by a bus? What an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I just saw that. I was like, there's no fucking way. But then he was, he ended up being okay. So, all right. I well, mean, I'm, I'm glad the kid's okay, but yeah, just someone getting hit by a bus struck me as funny. So I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if someone's got hit by a bus and they had major injuries, injuries, but I just, you see videos of that happening all the time in movies and it's like always kind of like silly. And that's what pops in my head is theirs is tragic. This kid's was not. There we go. Yeah. Um, my surprise topic, uh, I label it the corn ambassador okay. and I'm surprised you haven't heard of this. I played the audio for you to, re- cause I want to play it just after the segment a little bit so the yeah. audience can hear it to ruin their lives. Cause I'm sure they've heard it on social media everywhere. Um, some of you have probably seen this on TikTok over the past several weeks as a viral video has made its rounds and racked up millions of views. Um, so seven year old Tariq, his last name is being kept private for fair for uh, privacy reasons um, stated that corn is a big, beautiful lump with knobs on it. uh, And his favorite part is the juice that comes out as he's uh, chowing down. Uh, He was being interviewed by a YouTube channel called recess therapy. And uh, that was posted this past month. And that video has then been turned into a TikTok song that has been used over 400,000 times. Um, the official music video for its quoted "It's Corn" uh, was released a few Sundays ago and has had already passed 1.6 million views on YouTube. If this kid does not get any money, that is a damn shame. Um, so I'm gonna play the song here real quick, uh, and then we'll come back with the uh, rest of the story.
What do you like about a corn? It's corn. So that comes from, like I said, an interview with the kid at a kind of corn festival in South Dakota and some other YouTube channel used it and created that song that we just heard. Um, So last Saturday, Tariq, the kid that was in the original interview um, and was sampled in that song, uh, was dubbed South Dakota's official corn bastard by their governor, Chrissy Noem. Uh, who declared September 3rd, 2022, official Corn Bastard Tariq Day. So this seven-year-old now has, not only is an ambassador or a corn ambassador to South Dakota, but also gets a day named after him for this simple interview that a YouTube channel did. Um, <laughs> Caitlin Siverdstein of the South Dakota Department of Tourism told NPR that the corn ambassador and his family had traveled from New York to attend an honorary ceremony at the state's corn palace in Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, she said Tariq couldn't believe his eyes when he saw the palace made of corn and, quote, said, it's a dream come true. Uh, Tariq said uh, an ear of corn should cost $1, which I think a lot of places it typically is. I mean, we can go to, like, the Harrison Farms stuff that's sold around here at gas stations to get an ear of corn for, like, 50 cents or a dollar. Well, because it's made here. True. And and though everyone doesn't have to love it, he says everyone should certainly give corn a taste, especially with butter. Uh, if you or anyone loves corn, if you come to me, I'll tell you about it, he says in his video with Recess Therapy. So figured that was a good feel-all story. And I'm surprised you have not heard that on any social media platform. You guys literally should have seen my face after that got done because I was like, what the f- fuck did i just listen to it's so catchy and it's not though i think it's catchy it must have been it was on every fucking tiktok that i saw for weeks because people are stupid okay and if you like this song and you take offense to me calling you stupid fine i don't care it's not catchy it's cute though Sure, because it's a seven-year-old, but like, yeah, people will literally blow up anything because they see it around. They're like, "Oh, I gotta like this, and I gotta use it too," and so it becomes everywhere, even if they don't like it. I would recommend going to YouTube, going to research, uh, recess therapy, and watching the interview of him. It's only, I don't know, five six minutes, and it's spliced for different questions and stuff. But he's like the stereotypical seven-year-old. Obviously sounds pretty young. He talks with a little bit of a lisp because he's got missing teeth. Yeah. And he just cannot stop talking about the ear of corn that he's got. Right. That's cute. Not arguing that point. Yeah. It's very cute. My issue, and maybe I'm a, I'm a douchebag and a Grinch, is just like what it was turned into. Dumb. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. What's yours, what's yours then? Yeah. Since we're talking about corn, I'm just going to stick on the same kind of state. Uh, Mine is Nebraska is a mess. Okay. So we had talked about Scott Frost getting fired. Okay. Great. Great news for us. You loved it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. The Scott Frost era at Nebraska football is coming down very quickly. It is almost done. The defensive coordinator, Eric Chindander, was fired after losing to Oklahoma 14 to 49 on Saturday, allowing 580 yards of offense on the historic black shirts. That's what the Nebraska defense is normally referred to as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chindander served as the defensive coordinator under Scott Frost when he was at University of Central Florida back in 2016 and 2017 before following him to Nebraska when Frost got the head coaching job in Lincoln. When Frost got fired last weekend, the interim coach that came in wasn't going to make any initial changes, and he didn't uh, when he took over until the abysmal defensive showing by Nebraska on Saturday. Took one week. Yeah. So with Chindander being fired, the interim defensive coordinator will be Bill Bush, who was the special teams coordinator. So I don't know who else Scott Frost brought in besides the players, but 
his era at Nebraska is coming to a halt real quick. And it's also funny that the special teams coordinator is now going to be the defensive coordinator because their special teams historically under Frost has also sucked. Right. I honestly would not be surprised at the end of the season if every single coach, besides maybe skill position coaches, were gone. Total overhaul. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. All right. Entertainment. Um, my week for bad movie plot guesses. Yes. Um, I want to say you for sure have seen two of these. I don't know if you've seen one of these or not. Um, but we'll, we'll find, find out. out together. Uh, first one, a man becomes free by killing everyone. It sounds like something that would be the matrix, you know, but it's probably wrong. Is that your guess? It is. Okay. Django Unchained. Eh, that would literally makes sense. Literally. Uh, comes free by killing everyone. That's true. It's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you have seen that one. I have. Um, I figured you had. I own it. Uh, this next one. A poor boxer eats corned beef hash and becomes champion. That has to be Rocky. No. Is a raging bull? No. Million dollar baby? No. <laughs> okay. Cinderella story. What? With, Ru- with Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe was in a boxing movie? Yeah, called Cinderella Story. Thank you. You should watch it. Um, it takes place during the Great Depression, where sure. before the Great Depression, he was a great boxer. He decides to invest a lot of his winnings that he gets from boxing into a cab company shortly before the stock market crashes and loses everything. Yeah. So then he has to do a bunch of jobs here or there in order to keep his family uh, alive and stuff. Um, and then he eventually goes back into boxing to make money. And apparently he eats corned beef hash along the way. There is the night that he starts his comeback, basically. He eats corned beef hash and he wins the fight. So that's why I, that's why I did that. That's one I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. I figured. Okay, so this last one. Crazy man seeks to discover why he is crazy only to reject what he finds. Oh, so many plots. Is this one flew to the cuckoo's nest? No, but it could work for Ooh, that. Wait, 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 wait. Is this Leonardo DiCaprio movie? I cannot help you. Fuck you. Well, I already gave my I already gave my guess. So you think it is one flew over cuckoo? Well, nest. I know it's not, but that was my guess. Oh, okay. It's Shutter Island, so it is. That Leo. was the one I was it thinking is, of. It is a Leo Leonardo DiCaprio Fuck. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I sucked. Yeah. So you have seen that one? Yeah. Well, oh. kind of. I've seen half of it. Okay. So I guess I was kind of right. You did <laughs> see that one and uh, Django Unchained, but not Cinderella Story. So yes. I was right. All right. Um. Social events. Social events. For this next weekend. Sorry to my brother. We don't have anything in Chicago, but you can travel. Uh, this first one is just north of Chicago. All right, perfect. So we have the Johnny Appleseed Festival in Crystal Lake, Illinois from on September 24th. In the northwest suburb of Chicago, there's pumpkin bowling. That sounds exciting. Mm. A pumpkin train and petting zoo, apple contest, music, and a craft fair. So interesting there. Doors open Milwaukee in Milwaukee, Wisconsin from September 24th to the 25th. More than 150 historic buildings, theaters, breweries, mansions, cathedrals, hotels, museums are all open to the public and many offer free guided tours. Interesting there. I wonder for the breweries, do you get a free sampling? You might get one. I think that'd be a pretty good business tactic. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're good. If you suck, nah, it's not going to happen, <laughs> but... We got the Souls and Blues Festival in Iowa City, Iowa from September 23rd to the 24th. This downtown music festival also features a culinary delights and beverage garden. I've heard that festival is good. My dad has, lives in Iowa City. and He's gone there, I think, the last couple of years for it and enjoys it. Well, one of my friends who listens to this podcast likes blues, so okay, hopefully she'll head on down there. And then we got Bacon Bash in River Falls, Wisconsin from September 23rd to the 24th. There will be pig races, a pig calling contest, pig crafts, an amateur bacon cook-off, and many bacon dishes, including ice cream. Yeah. Have you ever had bacon ice cream? I have not. It's pretty good. It's not as bad as you would think. I would have to disagree now without having it, but I'm open to anything once. Oh, okay. Whatever, loser. <laughs> um, unpopular opinions. Um, Again, mine's all emotion-based. Okay. 
I'll go first. Totally emotion because uh, every fashionista would say that you're wrong, but go ahead. Well, before I say it, would, do you agree with me? I wouldn't because I'd get ridiculed, and I'd make sure I have a conscious decision that I try to wear a flattering color that goes with uh, navy. Okay, so. so I believe that navy and black do go together, and mine is literally based off of color theory. Black, white, and all shades of gray. They are neutrals. Which means, by definition, every color goes with them. So, by theory, navy and black do go together because black, white, and all shades of gray match everything. So, the reason why people think navy and black do not go together is just because of how dark they are and they kind of like are just so close that people don't think it looks good together. But it really does not look that bad. When you have those two colors together in, a, in the right way, it looks really good. So I really don't understand what people's problem with it is because they do go together. They do. Well, besides those three colors, white, gray, and black being neutral colors, uh, you tend not to try to wear colors that are on the same side of the color spectrum. You're talking warm and cold? Yeah. So you don't want to wear black and navy together because they're too close on the same color wheel that they're going to clash because they're not the same. But you wear gray and black. Different color spectrum. Gray's uh, up towards the top, isn't it? Closer to white. See, you're looking at the color spectrum of the one on the computer that's all these things together. Gray, Technically speaking, and this is where I am the... Uh, academic ass, if you will. <laughs> Gray, white, and black are not technically deemed colors. They are the absence or... Um, all-encompassing. Black is all. No, it's not. If you actually mix all the colors together, you get brown. If, oh. if you take away color or you add... Or take away light and you add light, that's what happens when you get black and white is you take away color or you add color. Or light. But colors themselves are on a spectrum of their own. And so you don't have black or white or gray on a color spectrum. You have the colors. So you have what makes navy is you take away light from blue. That's all it is. So there's not black, white, and gray aren't on a color spectrum. So, yes, you have your cool colors and your warm colors, but you can't say uh you can't say black, gray, and white are a cooler, cool color or a warm color because they're not. Yeah. So the idea that people want to say that they, the colors clash, it's not true. And again, people can disagree with me, and a lot of them do. But I have zero problem wearing navy and black together. Same thing with grout fits. I don't have a problem wearing a grout fit. People are like, oh, it's death. It's fashion death. I don't think it looks bad. So... Anyone disagrees with me? Fuck you. I don't care. Navy and black go together. Eat my asshole. I'm not going to eat your asshole, but I disagree. (laughs) Um, My unpopular opinion, I'm sure for a lot of people, is that I think we should have uh, more routine driving assessments. Um, Meaning that you are legally required to go to the DOT. We all love the DOT, I know. Um, to have more routine driving assessments to make sure that you still know how to fucking drive. And this is just more so looking back on just my driving experience in general, but I think there are too many people that don't know how to use their turn signals, uh, or like to ride bumpers. Um, Cody's pointing at himself for the no turn signals thing, uh, drive recklessly, all that kind of stuff, just because they're more aggressive drivers. Um, I think having those assessments could potentially get you into better driving habits if they're more routine. So that way you have to be a good driver in order to keep your license or to not have some type of restriction put on your license. Um, I do know that I am not the perfect driver, um, just better than most. So, uh, I think there should be some type of assessment assigned to, uh, driving. Do you know, you probably do, you've probably heard this before. Do you know the average answer when people are asked how they would rate themselves as a driver? They all say good, I'm sure. 
Like the me average not. person says they are above average. Yeah. Riddle me that one. I am above above average. <laughs> I mean, you've ridden with me. Yeah, you're not a bad driver. I'm not saying you're not. I'm a good driver. I'm, I'm not saying you're not. I use my turn signals, and I don't ride ass on the highway unless it's really bad traffic and right. you kind of have to. There I use are, my turn signals most of the time. The only times I really don't is if I don't need to. Like, if there's no one around me and I'm trying to switch a lane, I'm not going to do it. God's watching Cody, and he would prefer that you did. God also can eat my ass. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you want to do the debate quick? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't have a whole lot to talk about. I just... I don't either. Mine are very quick thoughts. Okay. So, this is probably not going to be much of a debate more than just an opinion session, but how do you feel about teenage babysitters? Um, I don't have kids, and I did not babysit as a teenager. So, I'm weary. How about that? Okay. Of having them. Um, just because, and I know why they can be good. Um, allows teenagers to get an income besides working at a grocery store or whatever. Plus, parents can go out and pay less for a teenager worker as opposed to having an adult worker. Um, some of the bad things, I think, are that I, at least being a teacher in high school, tend to think that a lot of, and maybe this has never changed, I don't know, uh, a lot of teenagers are more self-centered and unmotivated for certain things. Um, and also having an addiction to electronic devices that could, you know, mess up something important. If you're watching a kid, like they stick a fork in a toaster or something, I don't know, but you probably should be on, not on your phone watching the kids, that kind of stuff. But there really aren't that many solutions to like daycares are expensive. They're not open past a certain time. And again, you don't want to have to pay more for an adult to babysit. So. Uh, I'm weary, but I don't know. So my answer changes depending on the time frame or when we're in. Okay. I grew up, I had teenage babysitters. Nowadays, would I don't like the idea of teenage babysitters. And I'm going to start with one thing that kind of pertains to you. Parents nowadays, a lot of things we're seeing in the media is parents aren't trusting teachers to educate their kids properly. And watch their kids throughout the day thinking that you're trying to brainwash them. And I understand education and just watching your kids very different. But they're not trusting a grown-ass person to do that. But yet we're going to trust a teenager to take care of the welfare of your child. To me, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's a kid watching a kid. Right. And so... Why I say it changes depending on the time frame when you're in. Because when we were growing up, and you actually pointed to this, technology wasn't as big of a deal. Nowadays, it is all about your image. You're on social media. You're constantly taking photos and FaceTiming that your attention is not on them. It is not. It's on you. Because, I mean, when we were younger, we would have babysitters play a movie. I mean, most of them probably still do now. But, like, if we want to play games, they'd play board games. They would do something. They'd read a book while we're doing something. I mean, that's still taking distraction away too, but the amount of focus on electronics and phones and social media and the constant need for attention is not safe for a child. So in this day and era, just because mainly the advancement of inaccessibility of personal technology, it's like mm, negatives are starting to outweigh the positives. Right. Because I mean, back then, if you wanted to talk to your friend, you called them on the phone and you were paying attention to everything around you while talking on the phone. Now you're looking at your screen the whole time. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Teenage babysitters are weird to me. Yeah, I can, I can see that as long as they're not inviting their significant other over and fucking in my house, I guess it's not that big of a problem until my kid loses an arm or something. I don't know if there was fucking, but I've definitely had a significant other come over when they were watching me. I'm just basing it off of like old horror movies. That was right. always a thing of yeah, like you had sure. a female babysitter and she would invite the boyfriend over or he would just come over right. and then they would just go fuck upstairs and the kids are downstairs with we a We need to find a debate where we actually disagree. Uh, Yeah, that might be tough sledding, but <laughs> we could probably find something. We'll nail it. All right, wrapping up this week's episode with this day in history for September 19th, uh, starting with the most recent, going back to furthest in time. In 1990, the movie Goodfellas, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Ray Liotta, premieres. 
1947, Jackie Robinson is named the 1947 Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously, since he was the first African-American Major League Baseball player allowed in Major League Baseball, he was also the first African-American Rookie of the Year. So that's big news. In 1893, New Zealand becomes the first country to grant all women the right to vote, um, which is what? Let's see, 27, almost 30 years before the United States grants it. So New Zealand being ahead of the times. Uh, And then in 1796, George Washington's farewell address as U.S. president is published in mass distributed. Um, So mm, a little over a decade after he's actually... Out of office. Uh, Famous birthdays. We have Jimmy Fallon, the comedian slash uh, night TV host. Trey Young, the NBA player, as well as uh, CJ McCollum, the uh, NBA player. I don't remember if he is he still with the Trailblazers. No, he got traded last year. I think midway through. He's now playing with the Pelicans. Okay. And then Jeremy Irons, the actor. Uh, I guess the most famous thing that I can probably remember is him being the voice of Scar from Lion King. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know if that's demoting his class of being an actor or not. I'm sure there are other things. I'm just not 100% aware <laughs> of what else he's been in. He's been in a lot of shit. He has been in a lot of shit, and I'm sure he's more of an English classical actor, so he's been probably so much. How dare you? Yeah. Anyway. Fuck the English. Okay, closing <laughs> remarks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please spread the word and encourage others to listen. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1, or you can send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We also might not be here next Sunday. I got a big jam-packed weekend, so we might skip a week or we might do next Monday. We'll be up in the air, but if you don't hear, if you don't see a post next Monday, it'll be the following Sunday that we record again. Yep, and uh, we don't have dog shit for followers on Twitter anyway, so I'll still make a tweet if we're going to be doing it or not, but... If you want to know, follow us on Twitter, I guess. There you go. Uh, And with that, your detention has been served. Uh, We will see you again hopefully next week, if not one more week.